Hey. Hi. Juliana. Yeah. Shall we spoil just a little? Shall we spoil just a little? <laughs> we shall spoil it just, just a, little. a little. Just a little. Okay. Welcome to Puffcast, your Harry Potter happy place. I do not know what this accent is, but it is suddenly there. Okie dokie. Looks so confused. I don't think this goes with any of the people in the movie. (laughs) This episode is probably episode 56 or 57. I am not sure yet. And it's coming out sometime in May of 2022. And I am your host, Melanie. And I am Juliana. Welcome. (laughs) This week we are talking everything Secrets of Dumbledore the movie. We can't seem to stop to do this. (laughs) Yeah, this is some like weird kind of almost Swedish accent. An almost Indian accent. And and almost like, I don't know what else. Definitely no one in the movie that we just saw, Mel, has that kind of accent. I can confirm that. We got a lot of different accents and we got a lot of different nationalities, but whatever (laughs) that is, was not one. (laughs) All right, so guys, we are here. Juliana, first of all, how are you? I am so jazzed yeah. to talk about this movie. I have been talking about this movie with so many people up until this point, Mel, and <laughs> you included. And I, the passion I have for like my opinions on this movie is just unbeknownst to man. So strap in, <laughs> listeners. I am just so ready. I have so many things I would like to say. Am I a secret of Dumbledore? Yes. Oh, oh, all right. Um... So we are about to discover that right now. Yeah. Mm, okay. Anastasia Dumbledore, that's my name. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we'll take that. So I know there is an episode coming out before this one, but we have been a little bit absent. We are sorry that we have been dealing with health issues and other things that have been thrown at us. And uh, yeah. It took us a little bit to recover, (laughs) but we are probably back right now on regular basis again, I hope. So it all should be back to normal and you don't have to miss us. I know that I have gotten, at least on my end, several messages about Juliana's little takeover with her very tiny five-minute episode. To let you know that we are gone for a while, people were having a good laugh at your bash at the Firebutt Crap versus Manticore. Oh, well, that's not the end of that. Let me tell you that much. (laughs) I mean, we all know by now... It's Juliana's current passion. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll, when we get down to it, I, I'll let you know that I was doing the Lord's work the other day at the movie theater. But I will get down to that when we start talking about the <laughs> fire butt crabs. Anyone who refers to them as the manticores, you are dead to me. I don't want to talk to you. Wow. They are the fire butt oh crabs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, have... that's a huge hot take of Juliana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The biggest ever. It's not a manticore. I'm sorry. Like every single piece of literature I've looked at that describes what a manticore is, it's not that. 
Yeah, I agree. I, even outside of Harry Potter lore, like Greek lore, all these other places that have manticores as part of their mythos, it's not that creature. It's, I know. It's just not. <laughs> all right. So before we get into the new freshly delivered movie and our thoughts, we will head into our news section first. So Juliana, please. News. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the news. Today, we have a few very exciting things in the news. The first thing on the news docket is that I have a new fish. His name is Harry. He's a fish. Harry Francis Fish. That's his full name. Yes, I gave him his second name because I was devastated that he was not called Francis. Because if you haven't paid attention properly to the movies (laughs) and you don't know who Francis is... Go back and watch now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, he was given to me with the name Harry, so... Yes, he, that's true. This is the middle name, Francis, and of course his last name is Fish. He has joined the weird little disjointed family that I have with now uh, a fish, a dog, and a human being over here. Yeah, and lots of porks. Yeah, lots of porks, uh, potentially lots of fire butt crowds once they make that Funko Pop. <laughs> I am manifesting it out into the world. They will be making one and I will be buying at least 10 of them and putting them in a row above on my shelf so that they are swiveling along on my shelf. Guarding your treasures and uh, eating everything else. And don't forget Bob, your moon calf. Of course, you're sorting moon calf. Oh, yeah. Um, He's very important. Bob lives on my desk. He's he's right here. Yes. He just be (laughs) chilling. All right. So Juliana has a fish now. That is great news. Wow. I'm glad we have that in our news docket. Uh, Yeah. Dear listeners, unfortunately, Harry Francis Fish has passed by now. We are very sad about this, but that's sometimes how life goes, unfortunately. Goodbye, Harry Francis. We will miss you. What else do we have to talk about? <laughs> well, one other thing that came out on the same day that Fantastic Beasts 3 premiered in the United States and Canada was the Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore movie magic book. Yay! There are actually a bunch of movie magic books that are for the Harry Potter movies specifically already. Um, and we've seen these books for the other two Fantastic Beasts movies too. And they always include like extra props that you can pull out, paper replicas of things. They're really cool. The description that came with this is that it is packed with captivating facts and incredible images of, from the making of the film Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore movie magic. It features behind the scenes profiles of the characters' magical locations, beasts, and artifacts as seen on screen. This interactive volume also comes with bonus inserts, from posters reproducing props from the film to bookmarks and stickers that will delight fans of all ages. So that is available right now. You can buy it. I actually have mine on back order because Target somehow got it on back order, so I don't have it yet. I I pre-ordered it, but it's coming to me at some point, so. All right. But we also got another book, which I think, Mel, this is a book that you definitely would be excited to have, and I'm definitely excited to get. And yes, I did pre-order this book already. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much. 
So it's the magic book of Mina Lima, another yeah. new book, as Juliana says. Yeah. It will explore 20 years of the graphic design house's work, from Harry's Hogwarts acceptance letter to the recent work of the Fantastic Beasts series. Alongside there are photos and images, the book will offer insights into the design process and, of course, interactive elements, which is very typical for all of these books, I think. Yeah. Like paper replicas and so on. This book will come out on October 18th in 2022. So still a little bit until then, but that sounds nice. The cover looks great. It's very Mina Lima. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That would actually really interest me. And I'm sure they'll have, with the interactive elements, Mina Lima books are kind of famous for having like either things that fold out or movable items yeah. that are part of the book, things that you can actually not only take out of the book and use as props, but like interact with within the book too. Which I think is always adding this extra fun also when you have kids and you look yeah. at them at these books. I agree. Yeah. And before we head into our main discussion, we also have a little bit of feedback. And it looks like, Mel, we have three new patrons that we would love to shout out. We actually have. And we are, again, we are running a little bit late. Sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> We're trying to catch up on everything. I also still have to send some stuff and goodies out to you. You will get it soon. First of all, my very dear friend Yulika has become our patron. Michelle, who has been with us for quite a while, and I still treasure the pen that I got from her every time we play our puffing game. And yeah. then someone completely new, and I hope I pronounced this name correctly, Katie. Is that how you would say their name? Yeah, either Katie or Cade. Cade or Katie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, regardless, we love yes. all of you, and we, we just want to thank you so much for supporting us <laughs> and helping us to be able to donate more money to whatever charity we choose every month. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, listening of course. So. Yeah. Putting up with our shenanigans. <laughs> we also have gotten a couple new listeners actually. And one of them I want to give a quick shout out because he just sent me a very lovely message the other day. And that is Parth. And he is one of my new Protego Foundation friends. And he has listened to our podcast. And against my advice of maybe starting with the newer episodes first <laughs> because they're better, <laughs> he insisted on starting right from the beginning. And he's stuck to it and he actually says that he is loving it so far and he says whenever I'm coming or going back to work it makes my mood brighter Aww. and that makes our heart brighter I yeah. love this so much thank you Parth <laughs> yes oh my gosh that's so nice thank you Parth so whenever you reach this episode <laughs> yeah yeah whenever you get here you might already listen to it because it's the newest you know, one. A current episode topic wise so who knows otherwise whenever you listen to this part um hello to the future yeah from the past hi <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> all right and i think with that we have everything for this episode and we can jump into our main discussion and i'm excited let's go do 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 news Okay.
So for our main discussion today, as we said at the top of the episode, we are going to be talking about the one, the only, Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the movie, filled with spoilers. Again, a reminder, there will be excessive amounts of spoilers here, so turn back or just go forth and take in whatever the heck we're going to say because it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. (laughs) I think, Mel, what we should do first is give our overall initial reactions to the movie and like how we felt on the surface after we first saw this movie. Yes. So I would say, most of all, I think it is a really good movie. I loved it. I just came home from my second viewing of the movie, and I still love it. There are two major things that make me upset. We will talk about them later. Mm -hmm. So it's not completely flawless, of course, and there's some stuff that really bugs me. But overall, I really loved this movie. How about you? I mean, I loved it. I thought it was really great. I was very pleasantly surprised by the movie on the whole. And Mm -hmm. I'd say after contemplation, I think this movie and the first movie are probably tied in my head for which one is my favorite. Yeah. I really loved it. And I agree with you too, Mel. There were some things that I don't know if our points of contention are the same, but I definitely had some things where I was like, eh. And also, I definitely could see that Warner Brothers was paying attention to the listeners and the viewers and everyone probably almost too much in some situations uh it kind of felt like they were ticking off boxes that where they were like yeah we have to resolve this and this and this and this and this and this check 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 in a way that was just a little bit too quick and too calculated i would say okay well we can get into that later so yeah we'll get into that later but on the whole i really enjoyed it i had a lovely time seeing it the first time with some of our listeners we had mela and we had anu dominique ashley and we had alex and her daughter chloe It was just so nice to meet them in person for the first time and just kind of get a really cool advanced screening with like t-shirts and stuff. And then my second time I saw it at my local theater, almost privately, but with two, (laughs) because uh, Fantastic Beast is not popular in in Falmouth. It was interesting, but the two people who I saw it with, we were the only three people in the theater, were very nice and shout out to them. I can't remember their names, but one of them was a Hufflepuff and one of them was a Ravenclaw. It was nice too. They had really great reactions too. So it was fun to watch it with two (laughs) other people who were definitely big fans. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. We have some critics' responses that you wanted to include here already. What do they say? I thought it would be interesting if we heard what the critics had to say, because obviously what they have to say is going to play into if there's going to be a fourth and a fifth movie or not, which is up in the air. Just a few of them. Some people who are from like some bigger outlets. I'll just do two of them for you. So Peter Travers from ABC News said, Enchantment still beckons in the third of J.K. Rowling's planned five film prequel to Harry Potter. But this flagging franchise beast with controversies among is creative... Franchise what? (laughs) I think French... I copied and pasted this from his review. I think he's saying there was a lot of controversies among the creative team slogs where it was mostly needed to soar. So he had a mixed review. Yeah. Most of the people that I read had kind of lukewarm reviews to this movie. They were like, some parts were good, but some parts were bad. Uh, We had Brian Lowry from CNN who said, Like Crimes of Grindelwald, Secrets of Dumbledore is handsomely done, but ultimately too much of a Dumble snore. And somehow it's (laughs) appealing... It's appealing pieces, old and new again, add up to a less than magical movie. So What? Yeah. Most of the people who were part of like bigger outlets didn't have like an outrightly positive review to them. You couldn't have brought at least one positive one with you? 
There weren't really many positive ones, no. <laughs> oh my god, really. But these are all, again, US-based, yeah. right? This is always what bothers me, because we also have to look sometimes a little bit at the European. Let's see in the next couple of weeks what, what happens also around here. Because I always have the feeling that the US is, like, really harsh when it comes to movies. And here in Europe, we are much more welcoming to movies. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. As I just compared it to how the responses to Crimes of Grindelwald was, US absolutely freaking hated it. And Europe actually gave applause and kind of loved it and talked much more positive about it. But, you know, there was so much controversial about it anyway, the author and the actors and so yeah. on. We will take that. And um, Yeah, that's just something to kind of keep in the back of our, our heads that like a lot of critics were kind of lukewarm to it. Slightly yeah. negative, but lukewarm. So, okay. which isn't necessarily definitive of what's going to happen no it's better than a lot of people being like i hated it most of them are not wizarding world fans the fandom itself so far i Mm -hmm. only have seen like two or three people that were sort of saying like meh or that they really didn't like it at all but an overwhelmingly amount of people from the fandom have really responded so positively and loved it and have gone see it two or three times mm-hmm. already, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is interesting. It's good that you that you put them in there because yeah, it's, a it, different, it, it's a different view. Of... Yeah, I think it's really important that we get the views from all the people because I've been talking to mm-hmm. some people too, Mal, who didn't have a good reaction to this film, Yeah, which wasn't the majority. And I, I'll go a little bit more into that now because I feel like I've kind of become the mayor of Fantastic Beasts ratings the last like couple of days (laughs) which is fine I love it I have like 30 people who have like given me their hot takes and I respond to all of them I love it but I have like a general average in my head of what most people have given it as a rating. But the thing is, like, I understand and you understand too, Mel, like this movie, like every movie has good parts and it has bad parts and it's nuanced. It's not like perfect. I have made it clear to people who are not fans of this movie that, hey, I still want to hear what you think. I want to hear why you think that because like I also had some negative feelings about some things and it's good to get everyone's view of what is happening. Mm -hmm. As we already said that we both have amount of positiveness for for this movie, but we also have some points that actually we really didn't like, and we are going to point them definitely out because it's important, and we will also tell you why. And I think we have actually sort of different points. At least one point I know is different. Yeah, I know Mel had one thing that wasn't really a huge concern to me just because of yeah. our uh, cultural heritage. So I, <laughs> I just kind of was like, uh, whatever. Um, and she was like, um, this is really crap. Yeah. So we have gotten a lot of responses and had some discussions over the last few days because we were both able to see it earlier than most. Yeah. Lots of our friends have sent us so many thoughts. But right before we started recording, we decided, okay, we will drop you guys in here and there in our flow of the conversation because we have so many thoughts. It's going to be such a long recording just by us yeah. both talking about it that we will actually record a separate piece, a bonus episode that will be unedited and it will go to our Patreon where we are going to have more detailed reaction to all the things that you guys have sent us in. 
And you can join us over on Patreon for as little as $2 a month, <laughs> patreon.com slash puffcast. Yes, you can listen to it there because we just have so much to say. And I have in no way time to get another three, four hour edit done this week. <laughs> so yeah. I'm still catching up. We want to give you guys all your due diligence because you sent yes. us some really fabulous responses. But I would mm-hmm. say most people we talked to, I would say gave it somewhere between a six and a nine for their rating. I didn't really have any tens. Most people thought it was above average at the minimum yeah what we're gonna do is we're gonna just talk through the movie we're gonna talk about things that we like things that we didn't like our favorite things our favorite characters any kind of hot takes that we have about this movie i know i have a lot of hot takes but we should probably just start from the beginning of the movie so at the beginning of the movie we get this fabulous scene between mads and jude law aka grindelwald and dumbledore and i think this is the first opportunity mel where i would like to say we don't get an explanation as to why we have mads and not johnny depp and honestly i didn't even clock that till halfway through i didn't care honestly maybe it is just us because we have (laughs) been analyzing the freaking heck out of these trailers every frame by frame and we just accepted him as grindelwald already i was the other day watching crimes of grindelwald and i was just constantly thinking why why is Depp there? Where's Where's Mark? He seems so wrong now. <laughs> Going into this new movie, immediately I felt like, ah, there he is. Why did they not choose him from the beginning? Why Why was Mads not there since movie one? Like, he is Grindel. And we've had this conversation before, Mel. When I you know. see Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp is playing Johnny Depp in a costume. Yes. Yes. When you see Mads Mikkelsen, you don't see Mads Mikkelsen. You see Grindelwald. Yes. Oh, just his like, and the, oh, the, oh my God. I, ah. <laughs> uh, Wow, the gay storyline here. melting into her table. <laughs> the gay storyline here is just like made all my little nerves go woo! Like just the looks <laughs> that Mads gave Jude at the beginning in that cafe scene where he was like kind of like meh and I'm up with his eyes. I was like whoa! Okay, I have to edit that down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have said this a couple times on record now as well. I have liked Mats before, but since we started to see him in the trailers and analyzing the trailers and now seeing him actually in the movie, oh, so good. I am so in love with him. I just, I want to see him as Grindelwald forever and ever. And if, by the way, and here I give you a shout out, Patrick, we have talked about they should not even dare to consider recasting Grindelwald again they have oh to God, keep no. Mats. No, no, no. no Otherwise, no. we are going to storm headquarters of Warner Brothers <laughs> and, and we will set everything on fire with the fire butt crabs. Yes! <laughs> and Patrick wants to join us. <laughs> I hope so. Oh my gosh, yeah, no. Mads is Grindelwald because he just plays him so well and he is like slightly charming but evil. You feel intrigued by him in mm-hmm. a way that you want to follow him? Johnny Depp was just polarizing. That's all he was. So I think that Grindelwald was played by Johnny Depp in a very different way. Yes. He did not do a bad job. We actually stated this before. No matter the whole private... (laughs) That is going on in his life. He did a good job acting. Yeah. Now that we have seen Mats play Grindelwald, I don't, I cannot accept anything else anymore. I I am so in love with him. 
No, we have to keep him. He did so good. He was so quietly evil. I really loved it. I thought he did a really fabulous job. Yeah, this whole beginning scene between him and Dumbledore was just so... You can see that both of these wizards are just so calculated in every word that they're saying. Oh, but that they are also still, after all this time, actually have love for each other. You can tell. They are not specifically... Grindelwald is never really specifically saying it, but the way he looks at Dumbledore and the way he reacts to it, what Dumbledore says, you can tell in his eyes. He's doing such a good job portraying that. And you, you can tell they're both still in love with each other, but it cannot be. And I am... Yeah, we are we are both... We, we will not shut up about this. I think this is gonna be... <laughs> uh, I just... I saw it the second time and, like, I melted. I truly melted and, like, I think this is probably a good time to insert our favorite scene now because you and I accidentally <laughs> picked the same favorite scene and it is very much so in exact correlation with the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And it's the scene, we're going to jump to the end, listeners, at the end where they have the fight between Grindelwald and Dumbledore, and they end up pointing their wands at each other and having their hands on each other's heart, and all you can hear is ba-boom, ba-boom. And the look they gave each other. It's so intimate in a way that's like, whoa. When I discussed this moment with my friend that I saw the movie the first time with, Hi, Malika, in case you are listening. And then afterwards with you made me think that we all kind of are used to these kinds of moments that in movies usually people are being made to kiss in that moment. And you kind of want to see that. But at the same time, when I was thinking... Juliana wants to make out scene. (laughs) When I think about this further and in discussion with you and with my friend Malika... I feel like this scene where they have the hand on each other's heart and you hear the heartbeat and the look that they have into each other's eyes and then lowering the wand is so much more meaningful and expressionate than if they would have kissed each other. Oh, yeah. I swear my absolute most favorite scene ever created in the entire universe (laughs) when it comes to lovers standing in front of each other. That was absolutely brilliant and I love and adore this moment so yeah. much. When I saw it now the second time today, I was again I was just like, you kind of stop breathing for a moment and you're just watching yeah. them and yeah. melting into your chair. Jude and Maz did a fabulous job conveying this chemistry between these yes, two. Yes, absolutely. Like the chemistry between Jude and Johnny Depp like never would have reached this level. It's so intimate. It's a step Yeah, I I don't even know what else to add to that because that's just... I am so glad we have Mats and that he has been able to play this role and... And then in combination with Jude together, perfection. And that is something I have heard basically from everyone. Yeah. Everyone loved these two together. It was so nice too because, like, I guess calling it what the people from Warner Brothers call it, but this movie definitely was explicitly gay because we get the whole Dumbledore, which we saw from the trailers, him confessing his love for Grindelwald and also saying why he got the blood pact and it was because of love. And then we get the whole scene at the end of something about, like, it's because you loved me. I don't anymore, and like Dumbledore walks away, which we'll talk about the blood pack breaking in a, in a little bit. Grindelwald actually has the last line that he says, "Who will 
love you now. Oh, that's what it is. Albus. Yeah. And he just says that he, he Dumbledore walks away and he just says, you're all alone now or something like that. I have to rewatch it again. But that is just an impactful moment where you can tell that, okay, Dumbledore is moving on now. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the, the that moment, Mel? I mean, we can, we can kind of just skip around and talk about things as we go. <laughs> Because that's kind of direction we're headed in. If we want to talk about like why we think the blood pack was able to be broken, because I it wasn't explicitly stated as to why and how the blood pack was broken. Like we saw, it was because of this fight that they had. But I mean, the moment in where Grindelwald fires the killing curse, but Dumbledore at the same time throws the protective curse, and these both collide with each other. <laughs> All right, Mel. A protective curse. A curse that protects people. I think you should be a professional podcaster. How about that? That is most likely. He is not apparently 100% sure himself and he calls it fate or something. Did he call it fate? Mm -hmm. These two spells colliding with each other broke the pact. Grindelwald wanted to kill and Dumbledore wanted to protect. While this happened, we have this scene where they are suddenly separate from everyone else and it's just them two and then they are fighting each other because suddenly they can, but then they realize that we actually, we are not ready for this because, you know, heart beating, <laughs> still loving each other. That is what he says later on to Newt. You are having a very deep thing over there. Because well, I have a different reaction to, to that scene, Mel. But that's what he says. Yeah, but it's not like super specific. And the thing is with the blood pack, if I'm remembering correctly, it actually breaks after they finished like the heartbeat scene. It's already, no, it's already breaking. It's, well, it's, it's cracking, it's cracking, but it, it fully, yeah. it fully breaks after they finish the heartbeat scene. So this is Juliana's yeah. hot take on the, on this scene. So I think that the. This is where Juliana tells Melanie, like, you are, you are <laughs> wrong. And I'm beeping that. <laughs> I am just, I am right. I know. I wrote these. <laughs> movies i'm right you're wrong shut, shut up. up as eugene would yeah, say <laughs> yes i'm the rank queen thank you very much my understanding of it was because it seems as though grindelwald has kind of given up on the love that he had for that he had for dumbledore at this point he held on to that that's why he says in the end who will love you now because he's heard that dumbledore suddenly turns around and leaves him he has been holding on to it. No, but he's a manipulative male. He's a very manipulative person. Grindelwald has Dumbledore in a very manipulative relationship. A very unhealthy relationship. Holding on in a way, I mean, that he was sure that Dumbledore still loves him and that's why he will not move against him. Yeah, Grindelwald doesn't actually love Dumbledore anymore in the ending moments. But he has, like you said, the strong belief that Dumbledore will continue to love him no matter what. And I think that love that Dumbledore has been holding on to is the thing that is stopping the blood pack from breaking because the reason that the mm. blood pack was formed primarily was the love between these two people. And so that's the thing that is making this blood pact exist. And when the love for each other other has gone the blood pact ceases to exist because the last bit of love that's been holding the blood pact together is the one that Dumbledore is holding on to and we see the moment where Dumbledore realizes I can't love this man anymore and the love kind of like flitters away and Grindelwald being the manipulative <laughs> 
that he is like, well, who will love you now? Because Dumbledore's leaving this abusive relationship. I, I don't think it really has anything to do with the spells, honestly. I think that's just kind of a thing that happened, has brought them to the point where they're at. But I think, honestly, the loss of the love is the thing that cracks and breaks the mm-hmm. the actual blood pact. And like the fight was just kind of a side effect of whatever the situation was that was happening. I think it's probably a very good mix of the both things. Mm-hmm. Because since Dumbledore is specifically pointing out that these two spells that they are firing at the same time colliding, that this is a conflict mm-hmm. that is starting the break of the pact. It's starting to crack it. And then going on into your argument right now, which mm-hmm. makes sense, definitely. A combination of these two things together is probably what then in the end broke it. I think what we desperately need is the screenplay. Yes, we definitely need the screenplay. Yeah, where we can look more into these details, which hopefully provides us with some more of those. You can definitely tell that there has been love from both sides, which is what I really was hoping for, that Mm. Grindelwald is not only manipulative, just that he has a different way of showing it. Yeah. That this is now really finished for Dumbledore. Yeah, this is over and now they will move against each other. Yes, and Grindelwald knows now it is done. And now they can move on to what they eventually have to do. We know how that ends. Yeah. Okay, so I guess getting back to where we were in the plot as we were going forward. So we had the scene with Dumbledore and Grindelwald in the cafe. We already saw that it went up in flames. That was, I mean, my short hot take of that, Mel, I don't know what you thought, is that I don't think it was like an alternate reality. I don't think it was anything like that. He was physically there. Yeah. Completely wrong from what we thought. Yeah. Because the trailer was cut in such a way that it made it look like he's just like a... Projection? A projection. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. But he is actually physically there and Dumbledore can feel him arriving he has his eyes closed and he can feel he's on his way and just again this connection we will not stop about that (laughs) well our friend Meg actually shared a screenshot from a Spanish speaking Facebook group that she's part of they noted that in some of the scenes that were cut there was actually a small neck kiss that came from Grindelwald as he came around Dumbledore's from the back and I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) I think that would have been a little too much in some way I I literally would have like passed out and melted in my seat if that happens like that early in the movie (laughs) I think the way they did this in the end how we see it in the movie is much better it would have been too much I feel (laughs) again as Dumbledore he keeps openly saying yeah it was love and it's just like you know that's just why this whole thing went down and Grindelwald has this very no words just gestures and looks kind of way about it and that is what makes it so interesting they have such different ways of expressing their love for each other okay moving on to the next section of the movie so after we get the scene the brief scene at the beginning with Dumbledore and Grindelwald we move into a section of the movie that Mel was not like a huge fan of that was like very outwardly gory and in a way that I wasn't expecting like straight out the gate so we get Newt on his boat and then he's going up to some little cliff and it's very Newt 
It's very like Newt is out being an explorer, do 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 do. And then he comes along and he finds Mama Chillin with Baby Chillin. We have Credence and Gang attacking and killing Mama Chillin. Newt takes a pretty like solid fall, and then they take the Baby Chillin away. But there's just kind of like a lot of violence in this beginning scene, and I know Mel, along with myself and a lot of other people, were kind of like shocked by the violence of the beast straight out the gate. So. First of all, that the mother is being killed and the yeah. little one is being kidnapped. That was heartbreaking enough. Mm-hmm. But when moving on a little bit, when we are following the story of the chillin a little mm-hmm. bit, how this baby is brought to Grindelwald and he is acting really weird and then he kills the baby. And that is what made me so upset that we have to watch this pure-hearted sweet creature dead on the floor with a puddle of blood where he then sees visions in that are barely any visions because he sees a little bit of stuff that you could have probably seen in all your window gazing that you do all over the movie. (laughs) And it's so unnecessary and it made me so upset that he did that. And moving on further... There is a second uh, Chillin. I, I always want to say Quillin. I don't know. I, I just they all pronounced it Chillin in the movie, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a Chillin. I'm sorry. I'm having like a brain block. So we have this secret plot of that there is a second twin Chillin that Newt and the gang are taking care of. But mm-hmm. what really killed me is that we have. Later on in the movie, a scene where someone is throwing the dead body of the baby Chillin on the floor, dragging it into the pool, and then he sees more visions, and he is bringing it sort of back to life and zombifying this poor creature. Mm-hmm. Why is this necessary? We know that Grindelwald is a bad guy. There's yeah. no reason for us to see something so awful and this poor creature stumbling around later in the background not knowing where to go what to do i am so mad at this i cannot put this in any other words than i just wanna go and kick their for that and i am definitely going to in future skip over these scenes because i just i can't yeah I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that. I am just really, really mad that they did that. And I think that's a big point of some of my my vegan friends also why they hate this movie that have pointed it out already. Yeah, I'm sure the Protego Foundation has feelings. Yes. So several of my friends over there, especially Valerie and Parth and so on, they what I have heard so far, all of them of course are having the same rage as me. (laughs) I get the idea of that the Quillin is playing an important part of seeing the values that you have and can see into your soul which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. But this whole killing and zombifying part just was supposed to make us probably hate Grindelwald even more, which yeah. we already get the point that he's bad. We did not need something like that. And now my rant is over. I'm sorry. <laughs> and thank you for coming to Mel's TED Talk. She will be at go the vegan. vegan. Yeah, go vegan. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I also had the same reaction to this, Mel. I just feel like the violence towards creatures on the whole in this movie was kind of unnecessary and unwarranted. Here are my, my two hot spicy takes on this section besides, like, I agree with everything that you said, Mel, but I have two other additional takes on this uh, scenario. Okay. The first one is the CGI in the scene where Grindelwald is picking up the Quillen outside of his house is wild. The actual CGI looks wild in the way that he's holding okay. it. Like, if you watch his hands, it doesn't look like he's gripping the- he's literally just, like, has his hands like this, and, like, the creature is just, like, magnetically attached to his hands as he's, like, going around. Okay. My second reaction is, I feel like they listened to what we had to say about Crimes of Grindelwald going into this. So they had a list of notes that they were going off of. They were like, these are the things that the fans did not like from Crimes of Grindelwald. And then from that point forward, they did not consult any fans. They didn't run any, like, before they hit the test screenings, when they were just writing the script, it doesn't feel like they ran the script by fans. And I know for a lot of the Harry Potter movies, they actually had fan panels where they would like run the script by these people and be like, hey, does the, do these things check out? Does this seem okay to you? Like people who are like the biggest nerds of all the nerds. One of this movie's purposes was to kind of right the wrongs as much as we love Crimes of Grindelwald now. Do you think it is a good thing that they put more in there or you think it was too much and not good? I think that it's a good thing that they put more in there. I think that they could have done it in a more tasteful and fan-satisfying fashion. Okay, by the way, I took notes while I was in the cinema on the second viewing. Mm -hmm. And only halfway through the movie, I noticed that half of my notes were not written down because my pencil had stopped working. Oh no! (laughs) So, screw my notes. (laughs) What we get is we get the reintroduction of Queenie, and then we also see... What's her name? Grindelwald's second in command. Rosier. Rosier. Who, through this whole movie, I'll tell you what, Mel. I was like, it is a crime that this woman is allowed to look so wonderful. Like, how does she look so fabulous in every single scene (laughs) she is in? The crimes of Rosier. (laughs) She's gorgeous in every single scene and every single outfit. And I look on her Instagram and I'm like, Poppy, this is criminal. How beautiful you are. How is this... (laughs) Who made you the gods? Like, how? I wish that she would have more lines in the movie. I want to yeah. see more of her. Because we have several great female actresses in there that yeah. are all absolutely fabulous and all really beautiful. And I just want to hear all of them all the yeah. time. By the way, Bunty throughout this movie... I love her. She's so cute and adorable. And I was paying now more attention to what was happening with her, that the Mm. baby Nicholas are crawling over her at all times, every time. And they're doing naughty things here and there in corners and she's getting them. And (laughs) it's just so random. Yeah, that was kind of like a cute but unnecessary thing. I know, but it's just like a fun thing for the background for those who have watched these movies at some point, like a billion times, which is going to be us next week already. Yeah, I know. What it feels like. I love these kind of small details that are very unnecessary, but they're happening in the background, and it's just fun to pick those out. Yeah. I I love all of the actresses that we have had in this movie, and we are talking some more about them still. Yeah. Well, I mean, the scene that you're talking about, Mel, is actually one of the scenes that we get coming up in the next coming scenes. First, we get Newt and Theseus visiting Dumbledore, and then we actually get that scene that we've all seen from 
the trailers with him explaining the blood pact. Mel and I have talked about that yep. in excess already. I think we can kind of skip over that because that's something we actually saw the entire scene fully before the movie even came out. So then Theseus decides to say yes to Dumbledore. And so then we meet up with Jacob in the bakery with that weird, I'm assuming that was in his mind, Queenie visiting him in the bakery. He's missing her so much that he imagines she was there. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. And then we get an introduction to, into, like, I think, the MVP of this movie. Jessica <laughs> Williams, Eulalie Hicks, Lally. Wow, I love her. She's fabulous. I want more of her. If anything, even if these movies don't continue to the next two, which obviously Mel and I hope they do, I would love a spinoff of just Jacob and Lally. That's, like, all I want in life. Just their interactions were so good. Granted, Jessica Williams, her background is in comedy, so that is a lot of where she's yeah. coming from with that. It was just, one, so nice to see a person of color featured in a central role. That was, like, really wonderful. And also, someone who's just, like, such a fabulous woman and just really killing it. I loved her so much. She was so commanding of every scene. I just wanted to, like, gravitate towards her. I was so in love with Lally. When you look at the, the gesturing of her, the tiny little movements she does, they are very in character, very forming mm -hmm. this character. Just so adorable yeah. and sweet. There's such a lightness and happiness about her. No matter if it's yeah. stressful or not, she is just like, yeah, you Confident. can you can tell by the way she acts out these tiny things what kind of character uh, Eulalie is. We both yeah. have fallen in love with her as well. Also, again, such a brilliant choice of actress to portray this character yeah, that we have not known previously. I think overall this movie is an introduction to a couple of new characters and persons or those that we have only seen briefly that kind of give us a great way into their story. You know, they, they belong there. They are really yeah. part of it and it's done so mm -hmm. well. When you think back to Crimes of Grindelwald where we see so many different characters and we get nothing of them and then yeah. compare this to this movie now with Eulalie and we see much more of Bunty and and Aberforth Aberforth yes don't forget him yeah it's such an improvement to what we have seen before I, I agree yeah I feel like all the characters that we get in this movie because of the way they've introduced them feel like we've had them there the entire time they yes. feel like part of the family whereas I feel like in the last movie where they introduced Nagini and Yusuf which we'll get to Yusuf in a, in a minute I have feelings about Yusuf Kama. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yusuf and some of the other people, even like some of the side characters like Skender and some of the other people that we just like meet and then they're gone. That just felt so disjointed and so unsatisfying. Whereas like meeting Eulalie and meeting Aberforth and getting more of Bunty, it feels natural. Yes. And it feels like it should be there. And that's what I like. So what we can say also is that there are some even completely missing. So we have yes. Nagini, for example, hasn't even been mentioned once in this movie anymore. Yeah, no, no. Completely at all. gone. Like, where did she yeah, go? Fully, fully adios. What happened? But I think what we have to take here is that they made the specific decision okay, all of these characters kind of didn't really have an integral part in the story. Let's just cut them out. Yeah. No one will ask. 
I mean, we will ask anyway. <laughs> I didn't realize Nagini wasn't there until today. And I've seen the movie twice already, Mel. I didn't even okay. clock it. Yeah. I didn't even clock it. I, I was just... I, I want to always know everything about every character and whatever they're doing. But they, I think, made consciously the decision to just cut that completely out. Leave it. Yeah. It wasn't going anywhere. We know that she's going to turn into the snake later anyway. And then she's going to be Voldemort's play toy and Horcrux and so on and is going to be killed by Neville. So we know already how her storyline ends. Yeah, we know her story. So in a way, even though I would have loved to see Claudia Kim again, because she's also fantastic, pun completely intended here, (laughs) I would have loved to see her, but it's character and story plot line wise making more sense that she's cut out. It sounds... I don't know if that sounds harsh. I'm sorry if anyone feels like I'm saying the wrong thing. I don't mean to be mean. Mel, these are our opinions and people can take them or leave them. That's their (laughs) choice. Because I'm going to have more hot spicy takes as we go down that I know people are not going to like. I think the next thing we should talk about, Mel, because we're talking about missing characters. Yes. Is Tina. So we don't get Tina really much at all in this movie already. We get her when she's looking up at Wizard C-SPAN watching the the chillin' choose Valencia Santos. And we get her at the very end. I'll talk about it in a minute because I think Mel should probably go first. So I think that we all really love Tina. We, we agree on that. And mm-hmm. we were very worried all this time where she is because she's in no none of the posters none uh, in the trailers at all and so on so we really didn't see anything except that one picture of her that Newt has in the case which was in the Japanese trailer mm-hmm. they are asking in the beginning of the movie hey so where's Tina and then they're they're explaining okay she was promoted and she just can't come which i'm i it's kind of like a quickly made up excuse i i feel like there is going to be in the background of making in in the making of this movie there is going to be reasons for why this has been chosen i am 100% sure when watching this movie that she was fully intended to be an integral part of this story that she would have fought alongside the group against grindelwald to get her sister back and to help newt and and Dumbledore etc they clearly must have a good reason with Catherine Waterston to have made this choice to not be part of this movie which is really sad because we all loved her as Tina and she only shows up so shortly at the end I do agree it is a little bit awkward it has a sweetness to it so I'm not like super unhappy about it but it's feeling a little bit out of place in the way that you would expect her to be part of this entire movie and then she's just very shortly being shown in the end and it's it's making me sad and I wish there was more. Yeah, the chemistry between her and Eddie at the end is just like pure joy. It's so sweet. And that's exactly why it's so heartbreaking because we want Mm -hmm. to see this relationship between them bloom and to unfold in front of our eyes. We would have loved to see them bonding even more because they're clearly very happy to see each other and are very giggly-ish, like little teenagers, you know? They're so excited because I know you pointed out the whole hair comment scene and yeah, it well, if you look at it closely, they, they also switch cameras in between when she says that mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh, whatever. So it, it feels like there was more to that conversation. Maybe. 
And there are multiple points where me and I actually a bunch of other people who I've conferred with feel like they just like editing wise, like cut some of the things in some weird ways. Maybe we maybe we get some extended scenes later that were deleted. Yeah. Hopefully. We might get some scenes where they were like, hey, this is what we were going to do. Yeah. But we had to cut things. And that that's kind of what that exact like line exchange feels like. And we saw this on the red carpet too. Like Catherine and Eddie like really like love each other as friends. Yeah. Like the biggest smiles, just they, they really love being together. And you can see that conveyed in this one little scene where they're together. Like we are best friends. I'm so excited to see you look, which I think is really sweet. And I agree with you too, Mel, mm. that it's kind of sad that that's the only little bit of it we get and it's so short yeah i mean there have been so many rumors comments i guess about the whole situation of maybe wanting to be in this movie not wanting to be in this movie because of the author and other reasons and you know we all can think and take stuff from interviews and so on and statements that were made and form our opinion over these and never know exactly what's going on because that's only between those people yeah and i mean the thing is we haven't gotten any kind of definitive answer yeah. from Catherine or from warner brothers as to why this has happened so this is just pure speculation at yes, this point listeners. exactly that's that's what i meant to say i'm sure at some point i'm hoping that either party will put out some kind of statement as to why this was so short-lived we will probably get it at some point but i i think yeah. we we always have to remember that there is contracts in place as well they all exactly yeah they all have signed up for five movies straight they probably negotiated her part in a way again we can only speculate so that she wouldn't be completely written out that she's still having a small part and that's why we get her at the end because that's the minimum that they could negotiate yeah the compromise they came to we shall see what happens in the future i was thinking going into this movie that katherine waterston was not going to be in this movie because of her interview that she gave on the red carpet and she just seemed ambivalent and not super interested in being there and that was just my personal read listeners everything that i'm saying is juliana's personal opinion no one else is just my own and like we said she wasn't in any of the trailers even her vignette that played after she left the red carpet didn't have her in it or her picture on it so i was like okay she clearly doesn't really want to be there we get into the movie and they say oh she's the head of the american horror office that's why she's not there and then we get theseus who's saying oh yeah i'm the head of the british horror office now so they have the exact same position so in my head that just doesn't justify her not being there especially if her sister's life is kind of on the line like you think that would be enough to draw her out of her work related issues to pull her into being there with them of course this is not a good enough reason to say yeah she has been promoted she's busy there now when Theseus clearly has the same job and is very busy too, but he's still doing this thing anyway. But from that standpoint, you have to think that they had to come up with something to explain it, even though it's kind of lame. But yeah, they could have done in my head, they could have done better than that. Yeah. The only thing in my head that would have justified it was if she had become president of Makusa. Like they had replaced Pickery with her. That would have been too much though. I honestly think if they used the correct wording, they could have justified it. Just because we know Tina is a very ambitious person and she definitely would want to be the head of Makusa if she could. I don't think so. Ultimately, I think she would. She's very ambitious. Mm. Or some other really big job that's literally not the exact same one that Theseus has like they could have been a lot more creative than they were from a writing standpoint 
that combined with that end scene that I think was cute between Eddie and Catherine because they clearly like each other was just weird. And like I mentioned earlier, it was just like a weirdly cut scene too. Like, oh, I did. Did you do something to your hair? Oh, no. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. It's like, Tina's not stupid and she didn't forget. That's what I mean. It's kind of awkward and you say silly things when you are in love with someone just freshly and you are very unsure about it. Uh, I don't know. That scene just read really weird to me. Yeah, but I I feel like it's authentic in some way. But again, this is just seeing these different points of views is really interesting because we have discussed this a little bit with friends as well. Mm -hmm. The whole red carpet of the premiere thing, I saw it very differently than you have, for example. And you said that several people that you have talked with saw it the way you saw as well. But for me, for example, it was more like she was very uncomfortable having this pressure of not being able to say anything. And then the person who interviewed her even gave a spoiler that, oh, you have been promoted. And that was like, boom, like we didn't know exactly to what she was given the promotion to but she basically threw a spoiler out and that probably like made her even more nervous that she couldn't really say anything and that's why this whole thing was so awkward and uncomfortable but not because she didn't want to be there necessarily because when we see later the interactions between her and Eddie and the other actors clearly she was very happy to see them and hang out with them and take pictures and so on. It's interesting to me how different people can see and interpret situations and that we have very different opinions on that Mm -hmm. and no one means it in a bad way so everyone has a different view of this and Juliana and me differ on this as well oh yeah I think it's still something you can speak about and point out and try to take it in a neutral way yeah but we can talk about Yusuf Kama my big question with Yusuf Kama is why is he in this movie (laughs) he literally did nothing in the second movie we have him introduced and there are some things that are a little bit strange like having that water demon in his eye which was like so pointless in a way yeah he he definitely feels like a forced character in the second movie and he's definitely a forced character in the third movie the thing why his character kind of falls into the category of being pointless to be harsh in this moment is because this whole storyline of him with Lita and then possibly Credence being related to them didn't go anywhere because it wasn't true. And then Lita dies and Yusuf is just like back to like, okay, uh, whatever. What There was no point, no substance to it that would have made yeah. it ju- to justify it being in the movie. Now, okay, he is part of this group. But one of the things I pointed out to you right after we watched it the first time and when we talked on the phone, I felt like he is going to Grindelwald's lair, to his Batcave, and then he is just giving up the... You know, everyone got this one item that they took with them, and his was the memory of Lita that he has to give up. He comes there, pretends that, oh yeah, here I'm telling you the the truth, I'm I'm sent here by, by Dumbledore to spy on you. And then Grindelwald lets Queenie check on that, and she confirms it. But then he takes the memory of Lita out of his mind and deletes it. And what did that do to have Nothing. <laughs> karma being so suddenly part of the group of Grindelwald because in a way he is there now as a spy but we never see any interaction of that he would give 
of information secretly over to Dumbledore or any of the other guys so that they would know what's up because he's in the headquarters of evil right now. There was no point to this. And then suddenly he's like, oh, you didn't come here to betray Dumbledore. Prove your loyalty. Then he sends him away. And then we see him rejoining Lally and Theseus. And then he defeats a couple of bad guys. And then... Yeah. That's it. It makes me sad because... Yeah, there's absolutely no payoff for Yusuf's character at all. No, not at all. How frustrating must this be for the actor that, okay, I'm in this movie, but my point is like non-existent. Yeah. We want to see something more of him. I mean, he's a great guy. I remember... Oh, William Nadine is adorable. Marjolaine interviewing him and, and telling us all about it. And it's just... He seems like such a great, terrific guy and actor. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see more of his character. He yeah. didn't do anything in this movie right now. He could have been deleted out of it and it, no one had, would have noticed. Uh, as you pointed out earlier with Jessica Williams, we have a person of color, which is great that we have such a variety in this movie, which I love that we have someone from China, we have Brazil, we have Germany, the US, we have the UK, people from everywhere, different backgrounds, and to not give him more <laughs> is really bugging me, because I yeah. want to see it. So here's to hoping there is still going to be a point about him in some way that is going to make sense in hopefully the later movies. I am doing the same thing again as I did with Grindelwald. Let's wait and see. There is hope because there's supposed to be two more movies, but maybe I don't really see how he would play into the story further to have a bigger impact on on the story because it's not about himself. There are a few characters that we're probably going to lose going into the next movie and I feel like Yusuf Kama is definitely one of them because, again, he doesn't have any payoff in this movie and there's no real reason to keep him with us. Yeah. I mean, you always have like side characters that are not really super important and you can easily forget about them, but you have of them like henchmen for example like Helmut that you love so Helmut. much <laughs> Helmut Helmut so you always have that but he kind of has the potential to be a great character and they mm-hmm. kind of try to keep him in there but it's somehow not like getting there and that is what is bothering me so much that there's just ah something missing well here's my hot take Mel I feel like the whole second half of the movie has something missing there were a lot of moments where I feel like there should have been payoff moments or things felt a little bit weirdly edited and I think that maybe some of Yusuf's story got lost in that because it feels like to me that they re-edited a few of the things at the end of the movie and like people's storylines that could have potentially been going somewhere kind of just ended because I feel like there had to be something else beyond him just defeating those goons that he had behind him like he was gonna do something else especially you and i are people who are paying a lot of attention to a lot of detail and we could tell throughout our previous discussions of the trailers and so on that we were proven wrong that we were like thinking way too complicated and way too far when things were very simple but that there were like several moments of for example you had pointed out so correctly that bunty is actually going with the suitcase to get it replicated and she is ordering half a dozen which is six right plus the one she's holding so there are technically seven so there should be seven suitcases but in the end there are only five that are being traveled around so where (laughs) are the other two suitcases 
Tina, this is what I mean where you and I are paying so much attention and so many of our other Potter friends, because we are trained to do so through the Harry Potter books. Oh, yes. Where did these suitcases go? Was there a Tina potentially that was traveling around? Who was mm -hmm. the other person who had one? I'm almost wondering if Jacob and Dumbledore each took one, or maybe Aberforth was part of that. Aberforth. See? Yeah. That's what I thought, that maybe he could have had one. He just kind of ends up in Bhutan. Yeah. He just all of a sudden is there. Exactly. Because that would have rounded out the group of seven. Yeah. And then we all know seven is a magic number. Exactly. Yeah, it makes more sense. Unless Dumbledore wanted to have two backups, just in case. I don't just think Just in case. The, <laughs> I don't think that is the case about Not. the cases. <laughs> Not quite the case. But yeah, it de I definitely feel like things were lost in the shuffle. But I guess getting back to where we were in the storyline. So everyone kind of gets their, their little assignments and introductions and things like that and Jacob gets his wand and we learn that the wand is a wand with no core so essentially it's kind of just like a piece of wood. Yeah it is made of wand wood it's snake wood I think they said Yeah but it doesn't have any magic inside it of it. It just doesn't have any magical core in it. Yes. Yeah so, so it, it it's pretty much like just like the wands that you and I have Mel. They're made out of very magical what woods. What are They're you very saying lovely. mine all have a magical core okay I'm oh, a real okay, witch fine. <laughs> Okay fine I don't know what kind of cheap ones you are getting. <laughs> I mean, I only get my wands from Wilson's wands. <laughs> well, that one definitely has a magical core in it and lots of love, so... Yeah, that that one is full of love. That yes. was, That's what that one is full See, of. See, that's magic itself already. Yeah. We get the confirmation that Jacob, one, we were correct, Mel, he is not a wizard, he does not have any magical properties, and two, that the wand is not a real functioning wand. Yes. We, I wasn't correct on the exact mechanism of how the wand works and how we got that storm, but... We had so many ideas of what could possibly be the purpose of him having that wand, because Newt also in the movie actually says to him, Dumbledore thought you might need it. Yeah. The whole theme of the first half of the movie is how to create chaos. Yes. And it definitely worked. <laughs> yeah, and that wand is just pretty much along the lines of Dumbledore being like, how can I confuse people? Yeah. And how can I get them back to, to this point, I guess? And then we can start the real mission. In his quest for confusion, gives Jacob a wand. And it's funny because we get the scene between Newt, Jacob, Lolly, and Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is like, Lolly, I feel like there's going to be an assassination. Can you stop it? And it turns out that Jacob is the one yeah. who gets accused of, of trying to assassinate Grindelwald with his coreless wand. Yeah. So the way that that scene plays out is, and the way that we get the magic from Jacob's wand is Lally, who is like kind of enchanting things to spurt out of the wand or look like they're spurting out of the wand and creating a storm that looks like it's coming out of the wand. Yeah. There is a tiny scene where we see Grindelwald and his gang leaving that dining hall. But there is this mm -hmm. moment where Queenie is just slightly like turning back while walking away and doing a swish and flick thingy with her wand. Oh, and then shoves the chair into some one of Grindelwald's followers. So she was like giving us a hint there already. Okay, I cannot do much, but this is a little hint here. Like I help you in some way. And I'm yeah. not sure if Jacob actually caught that or not, but we caught so. it. Because that was also really heartbreaking how she was walking through the hall and Jacob gets up and he's calling for her name and she's just straight faced, like stone faced walking yeah. and also the way back just ignoring him and 
Yeah. From Queenie's introduction at the beginning of the movie, we can see that she's like really mentally pained and she doesn't look happy to be there in any capacity. And even when she's interacting with Credence and they're having that conversation about if she's telling Grindelwald everything and if he's asking about what Credence is thinking, she is scared. She looks like she does not want to be there. And we see this later in the movie too, where she's like, I can't leave. I made too many mistakes. My mistakes are too big. I can't leave Jacob. But she knows that the consequences of leaving Grindelwald, especially since she is definitely super valued by him, yeah, he would probably just kill her. I mean, she sees on a daily basis what he's capable of. Oh, yeah. She sees everything. Even if he is in many ways not doing the moves himself, he has his sidekicks that are doing the dirty work for him. So whatever he says, people do, and it's really awful. And she is swayed over to his side by these promises because he is so charming and saying the right words. And only then with time she's realizing, oh, this has been a really bad move and I should have just stayed where I was and fight this whole thing in a different way and angle. Someone said to me, I think it might have been Anne or someone of our friends said that the whole Jacob and Queenie coming back together moment was way too quick. What was your opinion on that? That sorry if I if I don't remember now exactly who of you guys it was, but it felt like it was very rushed. Mm-hmm. It was rushed, but also we have to understand that Queenie couldn't get away from Grindelwald either. Yeah. So I think that was part of it, but it definitely did feel a little bit rushed. I will give you that. That scene honestly wasn't one of my major like sticking points or gripes for this movie. You know, we all had such high expectations for this movie Mm -hmm. and we all have been looking for certain things to be dissolved or see how they develop. And then Mm -hmm. I can I can see how some people feel like this particular thing, for example, was very rushed or this kind of thing was not played out the way I would have wished for because we all had different points of what we wanted to see and maybe not everything has been followed through fully because it's of course there's a time limit to a movie, so you cannot yeah go into every direction and fully flesh them out but that's what books are for <laughs> unfortunately and that's why juliana will die on the hill of why she would like these as books and not movies thank you very much and there we can uh, shout out anu also because that's her main yes. driving point in her responses yes. to us as well so often and this time as well where she was saying that she would have loved to just see this whole thing in a book form Yeah, because we want the details, we want to know more, and in a movie it's not really possible. It's just a big theme of like these movies on the whole. Not even just this movie. I mean, The Crimes of Grindelwald definitely did way more of that than this movie does. Mm-hmm. But there definitely are some like other things where we don't get like a full explanation for. The big thing that's sticking out in my head is the upside down that Dumbledore creates with the weird like little bit of spit or whatever it is that he <gasps> throws oh at Oh my Credence. god, yes. Please, let's talk about that because we have this scene where... Mel and I have like theories as to why i think our (laughs) theories are slightly different but we each have like crackpot theories as to what is happening here so we are actually while the team comes together they're landing in germany and credence and dumbledore are at some point clashing into each other on the road yes but we know that grindelwald has tasked credence with killing dumbledore yes that's what we've learned in the previous scene credence is on a mission to kill dumbledore dumbledore is very very much aware of this situation of the poisoned mind of credence there is 
is this weird thing with this water bubble happening? I have seen it twice now and I still don't understand. What is that? It kind of flies through the air and then hits Credence on his forehead and kind of melts into his head or plops off there. I don't know. It's so strange. And then this this whole fighting scene is happening. Yeah, it's weird. Here's my crackpot theory, Mel. Okay. Because we have the Deluminator, and we know the Deluminator has to deal with lighting, correct? There's yes. There's lights inside of it. This whole scenario is created by a refraction of light. Yes. So what Dumbledore has done is he has created this, like, kind of, what I'm going to call, like, water... Blob. Well, yeah, it's a water blob that kind of turns into, like, almost like a water vision and Credence and gives him access to this refracted reality that Dumbledore has created and kind of brings them into this safe space through this yeah. manipulation of light, essentially. That is what creates this kind of upside down safe space for Credence. And it's interesting too, because as I watched this the second time, I realized that within the context of this upside down, Dumbledore is able to separate Credence from his obscurial Mm -hmm. and it kind of like goes away and then it comes back inside of him. And then as it comes back, he reaches the point of like almost death. That's where he starts to look like absolutely horrible. And then Dumbledore re-refracts the light and brings them back. Kind of is just like one giant magic trick. I mean, this is a movie about magic where he's refracting the light. And that is my theory. Okay. To backtrack a small bit, we have this yeah. scene first where, well, this blob thing happens. As yeah, you, they blob. Yeah. So we have Credence, really, really powerful, like smashing everything in, in the way and, and all the buildings are being destroyed around them and he's attacking very powerfully. But Dumbledore, of course, is able to withstand his power. But we have this big fighting scene happening and then we have this Deluminator flipping world kind of safe space vision thingy happening that is really great to watch but it's it's also a little bit confusing in where there is this moment where the phoenix comes and flies next to Dumbledore and then towards Credence while Credence is on the ground. And as you pointed out, the Obscurus is kind of pushed away from Credence. And I had now with the second watching of this movie, I had the feeling that the phoenix is like in front of Credence and he is with his wings kind of waving away the darkness of the Obscurus from Credence for a moment. So it's just for a moment that it goes away, but I feel like it's the the Phoenix who does it. So when you rewatch it again, pay attention to that, if you also agree with that. And then it is slowly but calmly like trickling back into him because you can't separate the Obscurus so easily from, from Credence. So I thought I missed something the first time around, Mel, but actually, in reality, I didn't. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, they they separated Credence from his Obscurial, and I didn't even realize it, because I mm-hmm. thought like it, it, it left him, and then all of a sudden it started coming back inside of him, and I was like, oh. I think that this moment of separation that happens there... It was like a moment of realization for Credence that he needed. Yeah, it's the that yeah. the clarity comes back to his mind that he has actually been really manipulated by Grindelwald and that mm-hmm. he hears Albus and what he is saying. And he's not controlled by anger. Yes, and that, that there yeah. is a lightness coming back to him. The Phoenix is helping with that because, of course, he is a very integral part of the Dumbledore family and he is now, as we know, really not not Fox. He really is Credence's Phoenix. 
he and Dumbledore together waking him up a little bit and making his mind clear so that he realizes, okay, maybe now I finally have found the truth and I should listen to what he says. Yeah. Again, with the Deluminator that he is like flipping the world back to actual reality and you can tell, at least I, tr- I try to pay attention to it this second time, nothing around them is actually destroyed. So he was already probably with that blob, as you pointed out, putting a safe space around them. So whatever yeah. Credence now would destroy is not in actual reality destroyed, because there's also suddenly no people around anymore and the streets yeah. are empty. So Dumbledore is clearly putting some kind of safe space around them, then flipping the world and having an even more safer space where he has the chance to clear up his head and then flipping it back to the actual reality and that's where we see Credence standing there shook and we can tell throughout the movie he progresses to be worse and worse in his condition and Dumbledore is actually pointing out at some point earlier that a phoenix always comes to a Dumbledore when in great need and that it is very clear that Credence is dying and that's why the phoenix is with him. Yeah, and why it looks like it's all dusty. Yeah. And, and crusty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the crusty phoenix. <laughs> crispy crusty phoenix. <laughs> the crispy crusty phoenix. Moving forward in the next episodes, we should maybe take like smaller parts of the movies and discuss them a bit more in detail and to actually go through yeah. the movie. Because now we are still so overwhelmed with so many thoughts. Yeah, just so many big things that we want to talk about. And we haven't even gotten to the best part yet, Mel. To the best part. Things that Juliana got correct. <laughs> so listeners, as you have might have listened to our, pri- our prior episodes, you will be very happy to know that I got two theories correct. Mel will argue with me on this. So strap in, because she doesn't think that I'm correct. Uh, but I think that I'm correct. Well, the first one. There are points. At the first one. Okay, let's, let's start with the first one. Okay is Goder 4. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> okay, okay. What other podcast was saying that Aberforth had a son? There was no one else out there saying this. It was just me. We all remember Juliana coming up with this ridiculous theory that Aberforth... So ridiculous that no one would ever choose to have, would have a son. Aberforth would have a child with a goat, which is ridiculous. And you have to admit that is ridiculous. And that's why you keep pushing it so hard. But then what happened? He had a child with a unnamed, unspecified, unidentified, whatever. Um, Not whatever. A girl from Godric's Hollow. There are many female goats. I know plenty of women goats. Okay, Juliana. I was willing to give you this point because you were right. What if she's an animagus? That Credence is the son of Aberforth. And I have to say, when I saw this in the movie the first time, I was like, oh my God, Juliana must be losing her. I was correct. I was like, I'm right. (laughs) Screaming in the cinema right now, pointing at the screen. I was right. So yes, you got that right. And I have not heard this from anyone else either that no one to our knowledge, has actually said so that Credence yeah. could be Aberforth the son. So yes, you absolutely got that right. Let's just leave out the goat part, please, because that is ridiculous and disgusting. So we are not agreeing on that one. What if she was a, a person that Animagus was a goat? No. Does that count as goat for? No. Let's stop but you're this now. No. You got that point, okay? Bye. We got it. Bye. Moving on to the next point that you got. Fire butt crap. <laughs> 
we get a full view of the mama firebot crab. We get her spewing fire out of her little butt thingies. Stinger. Yeah, which is attached to her butt. It's attached to her butt. Yes. Which only the big one does, by the way, not the small ones, which is interesting. They have to practice. Yeah. They're they're busy dancing right now. They're still too tiny, I guess. Yeah, they're practicing their swivel. Yes. Which was very cute. I was, like, so impressed with the amount of screen time that they got. I was like, wow, my firebark crabs are getting a lot of screen time right now. <laughs> they are adorable. They're, oh my god, they're so cute. I was dying how cute they are. Only to the point where the big one comes out, takes a prisoner like... as soon as a light goes off in yeah, front of gross. them, and then spits out this thing that is left of the human and just the little ones go and eat it. That is just one of those moments that really did not need to be in that movie because that was just horrendous. And then Theseus yeah, also gross. stepping on one of them was not that nice maybe so. That was the saddest moment of the whole movie when Theseus stepped on one of my babies. So the cruelty and grossness in this movie is definitely up to a very high level that we never yeah, had. Yeah, it's way higher than the last one. We yeah. never had in the Wizarding World before. So it's really... Yeah. I think this should be... A warning for for the younger audience, like yeah, we'll have to see what like the Potter kids thought of that because I got his response last night. He was mad that they changed a lot of the uh, the beasts when they had a whole book of beasts that they created some new <laughs> ones that they didn't have to. Yep, 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 yep. But I was I was just so excited to see all my babies. They were so cute. Like just to break it down, Mel, it was a giant crab that had fire coming out of its butt. So yep. Technically, if we're going off of what the books, the Fantastic Books Beast says, it's technically an unidentified character and an unidentified beast still. Thus, I claim it as my own. We all know that this is the Firebug Crab. I was at the movie theater on Thursday. I was sitting with the two people I was with and I did the Lord's work and I let them know what a manticore was. I let them know that that was not a manticore. I let them know that, in fact, that is a Firebug Crab and that that's what we're calling it. I'm spreading the word. I think that by now you have infected enough people already that you don't have to you don't have to worry about it because i constantly get messages from my friends mentioning specifically the fire butt crabs yeah it's funny because i don't think anyone i've talked to and again i've talked to a lot of people recently has referred to them as manticores (laughs) now that i'm thinking about that i don't think a single person has honestly i I have gotten (laughs) messages from my friends that you know i have friends too (laughs) Besides you, I have also friends who all have referred to them as firebutt crabs because they have listened to the podcast or have seen some of our posts. So yeah, you you are on a good path telling people what they really are. So you don't have to worry about it. We don't have to go into far detail about this right now anymore because we are also recording already way over two hours, by the way. Yeah. I think I would just like to say, if anyone out there is, like, a graphic designer who wants to design, like, an insert for the Fantastic Beasts book that has the Firebot Crab in it, I think that'd be a really cool item to have. <laughs> I'd, love to buy, I'd love to buy that off of you. <laughs> but that'd be a really cool addition to just, like, have in my Fantastic Beasts book, have, like, an insert page. Yeah. Discovered originally by uh, Lady Juliana of uh, Falmouth. Yes. Literally, just send us a DM because I'd love to collaborate with you. <laughs> that'd be so fun. So... I think the main bigger plot point here is that, and something that I actually was enraged about also still that I wanted to point out, which is we are going to Germany and we are seeing the German ministry and we see the current head of... Mugwam. Yeah, current leader of the wizarding community. And that is Anton Vogel, 
by the way, Vogel, in case you don't know what that means, is actually the German word for Bert. So Anton Bert. I was really excited for him as a character and he is a good actor and, you know, seeing him there was great. But what they did once again, and that is something I really hate about movies, especially in the US, you do that a lot, is that you are making us Germans always the corrupted bad people. Every time! And I was thinking this time, of course, it parallels and it makes sense in a way. It parallels with the actual oh, history it? that we have that was World War II. So yeah. in a way, it makes sense. But it still yeah. bugs me anyway, because he had such a great potential as a character. He started with his speech and everything about peaceful transference of this position and that we all are united and giving this really good speech. And I was thinking, ah, this is such a good example of how it could be. Then he turns evil. And everyone yeah. is just suddenly for like, oh yeah, let's manipulate all of this. He is witnessing how Grindelwald is slowly creeping in with his bad ways into this whole election. He witnesses with his own eyes how Grindelwald brings back the chillin to life, sees these visions and all of it. He sees that and then he follows along with this act of manipulation that Grindelwald does so that the creature is bowing in front of him pretending that he's pure of heart so that he gets voted and to be the head leader. Anton Vogel is picking up the zombie baby, lifting him up and still trying to save the situation like this is the real one and then it dies in his arms. It's just making me mad because how will we ever stop seeing the Germans as terrible and I am German and it's just it's bugging me that we still have to do this in the movies. Why? I don't like it. I get it that it fits with the timeline. Yeah. But it's just at some point you are just tired of it because we know our history. We have learned our lessons from that. We are not going to go there again. We get this point. But every time in those movies, it's such an easy and cheap plot thing to do. Yeah, let the German be a... <laughs> let the German be the evil person who's driving this and still making things worse. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks that. Okay, another rant of mine. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I think what would have made this whole scenario a little bit better if we had actively seen someone confund or... Um, yeah. Or Imperio Frugal? Fugel. 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 Oh. <laughs> German lesson, Fugel. Fugel. I'm gonna call him Fugel. Some of them said it right, some didn't. There was a German woman, just a side note, there was a German woman that was starting to flirt with Jacob. Oh. She was supposedly German, trying to do a German accent. Oh, the little old lady. She can't even say her own name right. She doesn't say Edith, as it would be in German. No, she says Edith, or something along the lines. She didn't even say her own name in German properly, so you... They had German actors in this movie. <laughs> Oh, we got Helmut. <laughs> they should have had that woman who was his kind of second in command, who was definitely part of Renoir's crew. Yeah. Who tries to take the case from Newt at the end. They should have just made it a very obvious scene for us as the viewers to see that she was imperioing him. And then yeah. that would have kind of justified the whole storyline and would have kind of wiped him clean of that because then he would have just been under the influence of them. 
the whole message that Newt is delivering from Dumbledore to him, saying that uh, he should choose what is right and not what is easy. Not what's easy. And it was immediately making it clear that, yeah, okay, this is going to go the classic, traditional yeah. movie way, the cliche, the easy way out, make the German the, the bad person. And ah, uh, I wish this would stop. We should never forget about this history because we should never repeat this. But keep doing this in movies is just, yeah, I hated that very much. Yeah. Yeah. So just to, to wrap up the story of this movie is that we are still in the end getting the twin chillin and he is making the right choice, which is either Dumbledore, which was very surprising to me, but we remember from canon that he was actually offered this position, but he denied it. So now we know how it happened. But it is choosing Santos. Which I celebrated with applause in yeah. the cinema. I think we were all very happy about it. I'm very sure and I'm, I wish I could see the reaction from Andre when he is seeing yeah. this. He will cheer the most. I love that, that she was chosen and she's the actual new leader. And then we have breaking of the blood pact. Dumbledore and Grindelwald having a short fight scene. Everyone suddenly turning their back on Grindelwald and Grindelwald flying backwards over the cliff and poof, he's gone. Yeah. We still have this whole ending that is something we definitely should talk shortly about at least. We have actually Queenie and Jacob reunited and everyone comes together. They actually get married, which is kind of cute. I wish we would see a little bit more of it, though. I would have wanted to be part of that more. But we have this ending scene of Newt and Dumbledore talking to each other. And this whole movie, the end of it, feels like the end of this franchise. And I think that they did this on purpose because... Yeah, this is something we need to talk about, Mel. Yeah, everything that has happened in the past couple years now, it was very uncertain if we will ever get to even see the third movie, not even speaking of fourth and five. Yeah. Having this whole wrap-up very nicely, neatly, giving you this warm, fuzzy feeling in the end, at least it was for me that way, it felt like, okay, this could be actually the end of this entire thing. They're maybe not sure how is this one now received. Does it make sense to move on still and do the fourth or fifth? If they would decide to not continue this series anymore, I feel like this could just stand the way it is. It'll be okay, yeah. We would be sad to not see more, but it wouldn't feel bad because it was a nicely, neatly wrapped up thing course there are still some questions open because Aberforth is getting finally to Credence which we have actually not talked about at all that the messages in the mirror were from Credence you were also correct were from Credence he was not saying do you have whiskey no do you know whiskey do, do you, you know, know whiskey do you know do you know what, what it's, it's like, like to be alone? alone yeah I want to come home yes and that Aberforth was saying that he's sorry uh, forgive yeah. me he says I decided that that's my favorite new way to communicate with people, though, Mel, is to just <laughs> walk up to the, the mirror and be like, <sighs> okay, now I now I know what I have to pay attention to when and I'm in. And then just like, squeak, 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 squeak. <laughs> it's not, very effective. Way better than text it's messaging. It's not creepy at all, Juliana. <laughs> no, 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 no. And no. people are definitely, no, there's no, all you hear is, because 
it's funny because in this movie, when they're doing that, you can hear the breath of the other person behind the mirror uh. when it's showing up on, when Credence is watching the message show up on his mirror, you can hear Aberforth being like, <sighs> like through his side <laughs> of the mirror. So just imagine walking into your bathroom and then all of a sudden being like, while well, you're on the toilet, squeak, 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 <sighs> squeak, squeak, like, <laughs> um, that is like, oh, that's like Lavender in the train when she is like... It's a wake repair. Drawing the heart for Ron in the in the glass door. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, except you don't know who it's coming from. It could be from yeah. anyone. I can, I can send breath messages to anyone I want. I have to say, I prefer your 30-minute audio message each day over creepy mirror thingies so please don't don't start breath moisture yeah please don't um (laughs) i think mel i think where we should probably end this is like i think we should discuss do we think that this movie and this franchise is going to carry on based on what we've seen and what we've heard so far um and maybe just give each of our takes as to where we think this movie franchise is headed for going forward I guess, again, just based off of what we thought, what the critics said, what our friends have said, and just our the overall vibes that we're getting. So why don't you go first and then I'll follow up. So speaking for our friends, uh, I asked a couple. I have, I have asked Patrick, I have asked Anne, and I think Parth also. We all had the feeling like, yeah, this felt like this could be an ending and it wouldn't feel very bad if it would be decided so. Because it has been wrapped up so nicely. There are open questions, but we kind of know that Credence is going to die definitely now. And that no one can save him. And Aberforth is going to have his last bit of time with him. We know that Dumbledore is going after Grindelwald and he is going to defeat him. Newt and Tina are going to end up married and have children or one son. I think they only have one son uh, and so on. So we do kind of know the endings of these It's just about if we are going to see them or not. And I think they are going to wait now a little bit to see how this movie has been received and decide from that if they want to continue or not. I would hope they will. Do you think they will? I mean, if they don't. I have, uh, I, I, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm having a mixed feeling. Like, I, it's so clearly cut as an ending. Yeah. Still left with the moment, though, where Nude is saying so to Dumbledore, I would do it again if you would need me. All you have to do is ask. You just have to ask. Yeah. So they do leave it open still in that way. You think it was a good cap off, but you're kind of just waiting to hear what the bigger reaction is. It's a good way of leaving this movie. Serve the hot takes, Mel. Give me all the spicy, spicy, spicy hot takes that you have. There are no spicy takes because I feel like they did good in ending it this way. Because Mm -hmm. we don't know how the future is going to look like. How is this going to develop? I feel like if they would decide we will stop this right here, then we have an ending we don't have to be mad about. Because that is always the annoying part with some of those movies where you have like several parts and then they leave it open-ended and we don't have any book material where we can finish it ourselves, you know? We we are dependent on these movies to see what's going to happen. I can't give a definite answer. I would love to see more. If they decide not to, it would be okay too. It feels good. You can finish this franchise with a good, warm feeling in your heart. What I think from my reaction and your reaction, along with a lot of our friends' reactions, Mel, 
Yeah. And just kind of the general vibe that I've gotten hanging out on social media recently, along with reading some of the critics' reactions. I feel as though I fully agree with you in that they put a nice cap on this where it could go in either direction. They could pick it up or not. I'm hoping that if they don't pick it up as a big feature film, they kind of take it to a streaming platform. And even if they replace some of the actors, that they kind of do something with it, which would be nice. I definitely think that the Harry Potter universe is lacking in its content that it's putting out compared to other universes like Marvel and Disney where they're doing like TV shows and stuff like that. So the Wizarding World is mostly based on merchandise, I feel. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you can buy. There's also a lot of books that they're coming out with. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're they're reaching the point where they need to evolve a little bit though and start doing more like TV content. Yeah, if they want to keep it going, of course there has yeah. to be either they do continue with these movies or they come up with something else. And there you could insert your wish of Lally and Jacob spin-off, which would be fabulous. Yes, I would like the Lally <laughs> Jacob spin-off. On the whole, from a corporate perspective, The Wizarding World needs to keep putting out some kind of visual content, whether it be these movies, TV show, whether it be the Lally Jacobs spinoff, to stay relevant with the fans and with the yeah. other bigger content creating moguls out there, like Marvel, Baseline, yeah. Disney, like Star Wars. They need to be putting out some kind of visual movie, TV, slash whatever content. And right now, that is Fantastic Beasts. And if they stop doing Fantastic Beasts, I think they have to pick up something else. So I think irregardless if we get or keep Fantastic Beasts, we're probably going to get some kind of movie or TV content to consume from the Wizarding World, I would hope. I would say like a lukewarm reaction from critics, honestly, is a good one for a movie, especially kind of a more niche movie like this one. I'd say they'd be kind of stupid if they didn't keep going. Because overall, the reactions from fans that I've gathered are generally pretty positive, yeah. And a lot of people were very happy to see it. And given the fan base reaction, and given how involved and excited we have been for this movie, they would be a little stupid to not go on. Yeah. We are not even the only ones who think there could be spin-offs because even Eddie has recently said in an interview that he could see a spin-off happening between the Niffler and Pickett. Oh yeah, I saw that interview. That was cute. That would be something really fun as well, but it would be like maybe like a mini series or like a one-time thing or something. Kind of like Olaf creates on Disney. Well, like a little like yeah. two or three minute something short tiny edit. yeah yeah or one of the pixar shorts or something like that which people would love for sure oh yeah we would all love to see that oh my god they should do like a whole series of all the beasts like a little short three minute clip of each individual beast that we've met getting like frank where's frank we can get like a three minute clip of frank a three minute clip of Dougal. you can definitely pull in people with smaller things like this easily on platforms that everyone has accessible yeah not focus only on the big screens where you have the movies. Yeah, I I think that like going into these movies, it would have really done them a lot of good marketing wise to put out like little shorts that were not like related to the actual plot of the movie, but we're like, we get Teddy and Pickett together, like causing some trouble for three minutes. We get like an introduction to that bird that flies Newt around, just like causing havoc for like three minutes, yeah. like completely unrelated to the plot, but it draws you in and you get to meet the beast. I think that would have been a really great marketing tactic, honestly. 
So they did do release short videos with interview parts of the actors and showing scenes and explaining yeah. some small things, which was great. Yeah, that was nice. So every couple of days they had like a new one. And even when people started to see the movie already on the early screenings or now, for example, they focused very much on the US release date while we already in Europe could see it already a week before everyone over there. Yeah. They have been overdoing it, though. And I feel like it was, at least for me personally, way too much of scenes that they showed from the movie, which I feel like watching the movie now, after all this trailer material, and we have picked it apart so hardcore, so many of these scenes kind of suddenly felt like flat because you had seen it already. And you have seen it to such an intense amount and in such depth and sometimes even the entire scene of it that yeah. it felt like, yeah, I've, I've already seen it. So you took it away. If I would have not seen it in the trailer, I w- it would have had a much bigger impact on me to see it on the big screen. Even though the trailers were cut in a way that it was throwing you off a little and it was not exactly like that happening. There was like audio over other scenes and overall you had already seen so much of the stuff that it was feeling kind of like, yeah, okay, now I see it on the big screen. It's still nice, but it's kind of like I've, I've seen it like a billion times now and it's just taking away from the excitement of seeing it for the first time and... Yeah, well, I think also, too, and this is something we talked about in our previous episodes, too, Mel, they kind of concentrated their marketing into a very, very short time span, because pretty much yes. what happened was, I said, well, I wonder where the marketing is, yes. and then they were, and Warner <laughs> Brothers was like, oh, you want marketing, let me give you marketing. <laughs> if there is a next movie, Juliana, you have to do this earlier, okay? Way in advance. Because clearly they listen to you. <laughs> and I have to be more specific as to what I yes. want. I have to tell them I want, I want short, unrelated character expositions that are two to three minutes long of them doing goofy things. <laughs> I honestly was getting really frustrated by this because we as a podcast kind of have to look at these things and analyze them and give it out so that because you, our listeners, actually... Mel hates spoilers. She, uh, they actually care about what we think and it's just putting so much pressure first of us on all on, on us. And, and I hate spoilers. I hate watching trailers. Mel has... Mel hates spoilers a lot. She will murder you. It was so hard for me to watch all these trailers for this movie that I was so excited about. And that's why it was a little bit disappointing to actually watch then the movie because these scenes were not exciting anymore because you have already shown them to me. Don't give me all the great stuff already. I'm pulled in anyway, so... That's the problem with trailers. That's why I never watch trailers. That's why I am the one in the cinema looking ridiculous when there's the new Doctor Strange trailer for Into the <laughs> Multiverse of Doctor Madness. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Coming and I am having my eyes closed and the fingers in my in my ears and I am making like blah, 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 blah for like two minutes and people next to me think like, what the hell is wrong with you? What date does that movie come out, Mel? I don't even know what date it's coming out. It's sometime soon. I think in May, maybe. Oh, May 6th. Yeah. Hello, I'm having another quick note for you. As we said, we have been recording a bonus for Patreon, but by the end of it, we had a short discussion that turned into such a brilliant thought, I couldn't help myself and edit that out and actually put it back into the episode. So... Here is a small section of a comment that we got from our friend Patrick, and just 
yeah, enjoy the conversation that happened out of it. And let me know what you think of it. The Secrets of Dumbledore, more like the secret, because there weren't really any secrets, were there? So plot-wise, I must say, there weren't really any particular directions or growth for any character. I am disappointed, but might be my own fault due to my high expectations. Patrick, 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 you are a Slytherin and you're always looking for more. You're so ambitious. <laughs> Just be be more Hufflepuff and take what you're given, okay? I am trying to influence him to be a bit more puffish, okay? But it doesn't really work. <laughs> he wants to have a statue of himself in the park. So there you go. Good can... freaking lord, my dude. <laughs> like, I'm not even that full of myself. Uh, I'm working on it. I mean, do I want to fire Buckcraft statue in the park? <laughs> That's a different story. That is an act of charity that I will be performing. Totally different. Uh. <laughs> All right, so... Were we really not having any growth of any characters? Do you agree with that? No, I felt like we had some growth of characters. I feel like Jacob definitely grew as a character. I feel like we learned a lot I more think about Grindelwald. So. I think Dumbledore had a ton of growth. And Aberforth. Especially Jacob, because I remember... Yeah. I wanted to mention, actually, the scene between him in the beginning and Lely, where she is actually encouraging him that, you know, you're not seeing yourself what you are capable of yet, but we really need you. And then he comes to finding himself, really. He is especially throughout the first half of the movie he's like really like angry and strong-headed he's a murderer you know he's like standing up for what is right and he's very vocal about it he's really finding his path to being of help he's not a magical person you know like in in a way that he's not a wizard <laughs> and he finds his own way of being part of this group and doing good now, Mel, given what you just said, yeah, and the setup that I saw in this movie as well, too, including the the sentiment from Dumbledore being like, Jacob, you're so pure of heart, and then him going to Queenie and being like, you know what Dumbledore said? He said, I'm pure hot. That his heart is full. Yeah, whatever that line was. Yeah. Do you think that, because I feel like they recut the entire ending and kind of reformatted things, do you think that the Quillen was going to choose Jacob at the end? Ooh. The whole movie is setting it up for that. Like, yeah. Oh my God. I, we really have some parts in this recording that we have to take it into one of the next episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon exclusive. <laughs> we have some more realizations here that are really good. Well, I had that thought and I talked about it with a few other people too, because I know what my initial reaction when I watched the movie the first time was like, oh, it's going to go to Jacob because we've had the whole setup of him of like Dumbledore's like, yeah, good guy, Jacob. Yeah. And he, of course, can't be the head of the wizarding world because he's not magical. But he would be the thing that would connect them. And also Jacob gets chosen to be the head Bangwam by the chillin', right? Yeah. At that point, Grindelwald goes berserk and goes off and all of his followers kind of explode too. And he's like, this is why we can't trust this people. And then like that kind of escalates into a giant fight, which then starts Wizarding World War II. And that's where we leave the end of uh -huh. the movie, which if we knew we were going to get a, a fourth movie is a pretty confident spot to leave it in. That's a great cliffhanger. But given the fact that they wanted to tie everything up at the end and not leave us on a solid, like really big cliffhanger, there's the thought that they changed that, that the Quillen would have picked Jacob. Because I think a... the Quillen picking Dumbledore is a pointless thing too. And, yeah. I, and we don't know anything about Valencia Santos. So that's kind of a, like, it's nice that he picked her, but there's no payoff for that. That is very true. And I kept thinking, actually, that 
You know, we do know from Harry Potter canon that Dumbledore was offered this position, but he felt like he didn't want to take that responsibility and have that much power also in his hands, that he would have not felt comfortable with that, and that's why he denied it. So there we have now in this movie this moment that shows us when that offering happened. But I was thinking since the chillin is supposed to see your soul for if you are pure of heart and intentions and so on, I think that Dumbledore in the end is overall a really good guy who has good intentions and wants to do the right thing. But there is so much flaws in him as well. I don't think the chillin should have bowed to him. I love Dumbledore. No. I don't think the chillin should have bowed to him. No, absolutely. It did not make sense to me that he would no. bow to him or she. Plot-wise, I think, just to give another stab into Grindelwald's heart, yes. your opponent is the one chosen for this and you faked it, you know? I think that's the only reason why they did that. I think that fits into the possibly original plotline that they had, though, Mel, because that would ignite Grindelwald even more to be like, screw this! I start the war today! Like, imagine if you're Grindelwald and it picks your long-lost lover and then it goes and picks a muggle and you're like, screw this ship! I am, like, out <laughs> of here! Like, that would just make him matter and matter and matter and matter to the point where he's starting World War Two. Doesn't fall in line with the Valencia Santos storyline no. of her getting picked. It's just like the interactions that Jacob has with the Quillen in the Hogshead. It's so cute and adorable. You think that, like, he has this bond with this creature who has clearly made it known that he likes Jacob. Why would he not pick Jacob? You know what? I think I have to take this part at least and put that into the episode because it's I mean, too man. good. Screw Patreon, I have to put that in here <laughs> the episode. I, I've been talking about that with a few other people, Mel, and I forgot to mention that. Yeah, there's just so much happening. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, there's plenty of time for us to discuss and pick things apart yeah. and get back to it and come up with even more stuff the more often we see it. But that is a really good point, and I think that's very interesting, and I think I will move that actually to the to the actual episode. The last thing that we are going to do now, we have had so many thoughts, we will be talking way more about it in future episodes. Don't worry if we haven't picked on everything. Send us in also your thoughts so we can discuss those and also future theories that you might have. To wrap this up, we are going to pick our special MVP of this movie and why. Okay, so if I hadn't made it known already, listeners, my favorite character in this movie was Yulali Hicks or Lally, who is played by Jessica Williams. I genuinely love Jessica Williams already outside of her being in these movies. And it's just so fabulous to see someone who is a hugely hardcore Harry Potter fan yeah. who had the comment of, I have a Noble Wand collection at home <laughs> on the on the red carpet. And I was like, that's cute. But she has been a long, long time Harry Potter fan. I remember listening to her podcast and hearing that she actually got to go meet JKR at some point prior to her JKR, we got us learning that she was a terrible person. We remember a picture of her on Twitter, actually. Yeah. So Jessica Williams has like loved Harry Potter forever. And so for her, it's such a fabulous experience. And you can tell her commitment to the character is 110%. And she's just so snappy and sassy. And I just, I need more of her. I thought she did a really great job and just commanded every scene that she was in. Yeah, I absolutely agree. She did such a great job. And you could tell that she was really loving playing this character. 
that is always a huge plus, just like Eddie. Yeah. He loves being part of this universe. Yeah, it's the commitment level. You can see the passion and the love behind it, so that's that's really great. Okay, yeah. so to probably no one's surprise, my MVP will be Mats, because I just love him now. I am in love, and I'm obsessed with Grindelwald, even though he is doing awful things in this movie, which I will try to look over. But otherwise, I just absolutely loved his performance, and especially in combination with Jude. And he is Grindelwald. You look at him, he is Grindelwald. And I love, 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 love it. So he is definitely outstanding for me in this movie. Yeah. I hope we see more. Yeah. Yeah, he did a really great job. Okay, well, listeners, that is the end of our probably one of many discussions about this movie. <laughs> yes. Like, let's be real here. That was definitely not all the feelings that either one of us had, but a good collection of them, you know. If listeners, if you would like to chat some more about Fantastic Beasts, I know both Mel and I, our DMs are open. Yeah, always. The podcast DM is open, so send us a voice note, send us a, a DM. We're happy to chat anything Fantastic Beast related yeah. at probably at any given hour of the day, because who knows when either one of us is awake. <laughs> I am up late, so uh, US time frame is usually my time zone too. Again, thank you so much for, for everyone who has sent us their thoughts. We tried to implement them a little bit. You saw we have had so many thoughts ourselves already that... Apologies for not adding more in. Yeah, we have a lot of thoughts. We will still uh, record some something extra for you guys, and you can catch that on Patreon if you choose to do so and join us over there. Was there something else? Oh, I still wanted to shout out our our shirts. By the way, I forgot that in the oh yes in the news because we in have the had news. we have had our now already like over a month two or two. We had our, our second birthday, and if you have not caught it yet, we have actually Puffcast shirts yeah. now. So I will add the link to the shop where you can order them into the info box of this show notes of this episode, and uh, you can go and actually get yourself a Puffcast shirt. Support us a little bit, and we do some good with that as well, as we always do. It would just be lovely to see pictures of you guys wearing them, so please... Yeah. Post them all over social media if you feel like it. Tag us and let us know how you like them. Also, one thing that I just remember too, Mel. Listeners, if you have not listened already, Mel and I were featured on the Woman Who Podcast yes. podcast, and we are actually in their latest edition of the Woman Who Podcast magazine. You can head on over to at Woman Who Podcast on Instagram and use the links in their bio to access all of that lovely, lovely stuff. So we were so excited to be part of that. Yeah. Also, say hi to Kathy and yeah, send her some love because uh, we adore her. And <laughs> yeah, I just talked to Kathy on the phone yesterday. Actually, on my way home from work. <laughs> okay. We just wanted to chat. Listen to her to her podcast. It's really funny and entertaining. It uh, actually has been part of my work hours uh, mm-hmm. lately. A lot. I've been binge listening to her podcast. Yeah, part of my drive to and from work. Yeah, it's definitely very entertaining and making you laugh. Yeah. Okay, so listeners, if you've made it to the end, thank you for sticking in here that long. We love you to pieces. Thank you.
If you would like to get in contact with us over here at Puffcast Spot, if you have some more opinions that you would like to share with us, you can listen to us on all platforms where podcasts are found. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PuffcastPod. We are also over on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Puffcast and casually over on TikTok at Puffcast. Can't remember the last time we posted over there, but that's okay. You can email us at PuffcastPod at gmail.com. And like we mentioned at the top of the episode, you can support us over on Patreon.com slash Puffcast and you can become one of a fabulous people like Yulika, Michelle, and Cade, and join our lovely team over there and help us donate to charity every month and also get exclusive bonuses like the fan reaction and listener reaction one that we're going to put out in collaboration with this episode. So ooh, if you're looking for that, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast and become a patron for as little as $2 a month. That's less than a coffee. And if you'd like to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave us a review. And if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts and it's nice, we will read it here. You can also just tell someone you love that we are a fabulous show and that you should listen to us ramble on about fantastic beasts so until next time stay puffy and secret on see wow secret on yeah have we ever figured out if what the secrets of dumbledore are i think it was i think it was i think we leave that for the next episode (laughs) oh Aha! Aha! Cliffhanger! Woohoo! Woohoo! Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> okay, see you everyone. Oopsie poopsies.